for me who can be against me for Jesus there's nothing impossible for you when all I see are the ashes you see the beauty When all I see is a cross, God, you see the end. So when I fight, I fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I see through the night. Oh, God. The battle belongs to you. Then, Almighty Fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. So when I fight, I fight on my knees. With my hands lifted high, oh God, the battle belongs to you. sorrow and dead in my sin We're lost without hope and no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began well ash was redeemed only beauty remained my orphan heart was given a name my morning grew quiet my feet rose to dance when death was arrested and my life began oh your grace so 
washes over me. You have made me new now. my chains I'm a prisoner no more my shame was a ransom he canceled my debt and he called me his friend when death was arrested in my life began oh your grace washes Rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus rose without freedom in hell. That's when death was arrested. once you were bound, but now you're free. 
that once you were caught in struggles and trials, but now you're free. Amen. Thank you, God. Psalms 46, 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. There are times where we pray. There are times where we contend, and there are times where we stand still. Amen. We stand still in the presence of the Lord. But that standing still doesn't mean we do nothing. When I looked up the meaning of that word to know, it means to proclaim. It means to let it be known. So when we're still, we proclaim who God is. We proclaim what he does. Amen. In the midst of being still, we we listen. But then sometimes we proclaim who he is. He's the healer. He's the divine healer. He's the giver. He does all things for us. The beginning of this chapter says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be moved and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with it, with its swelling. I was just, as I was reading this, I was thinking about when Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee and the disciples were getting all, you know, fearful and stirred up. And he said, peace, be still. I don't know who God wants to know this today, but I'm certain of this. There's some things in some people's lives and you just need to stand and say, peace, be still. You just need to stand and say, the peace of God be with you. You need to stand and stay peace in the midst of my storm. You need to declare who he is after you've listened and heard and acknowledged and understood and been with him. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. It's a place. 
church just for a few moments this morning, Lord. Just allow God just to speak to your heart this morning. Receive what he has for us this morning. I believe, church, this morning he's got something here ready for you. The word expectation last week and, of course, this week. <laughs> I'm excited, church. I'm so excited for what God's going to do in our lives and in our church. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Jesus. Father, we come to you this morning. God, we come to you this morning hungry, Lord, desperate for you. Lord, that we're able to come into these doors, God, and lift you up in praise and in worship, God. God, let us not hold back anything from that worship. Let us not hold anything back from lifting our hands and worshiping you, God, and lifting you up. God, sometimes we, we allow the, the things of this world, God, to hold us back. God, to, to, to reach in and just grab us and keep us tied down, Lord. But God, your word, and you, you want us to exalt you, Lord, to lift you up. This morning, God, let us just do that, Father. Let us be able to lift our hands and just give you glory and give you honor and give you praise, God. God, the old song, whoa, you woke me up this morning. God, you started me on my way. God, let, it, let that just resonate in our hearts and in our minds this morning. God, because we know some people didn't, Lord. Some people don't have the opportunity, God, to come into your house, to lift you up and to worship. God, I thank you. You're worthy, Lord. You're so worthy. name and the church said amen amen hallelujah hallelujah do you feel that presence this morning church i mean we talk about it a lot but i encourage you if if you don't if it just feels like you're just attending let me just say this and i don't mean any disrespect but these altars are open because i'm telling you god's up to something God's up to something, church. And you do not want to miss out. You do not want to miss it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I'm excited this morning. <laughs> I'm excited this morning to uh, get the opportunity for you guys as well. I told him I was going to lift him up really loud and hard. and But 
How many love our children's pastors? Amen. How many love them? Amen. Amen. You know, Brittany and I, we've, got, we've had such an opportunity to work with them over the years, and, and we've got to grow old with them over the years. Yes, we're old. We are old. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I'm so excited. So I'm going to have Aaron come up. Aaron's going to give us the word this morning. Why don't you give Aaron a hand clap? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I, I did want to say that Matt and I are old. Our wives are still young and vibrant, but Matt and I are old. You guys may be seated. It is so good to be in here today. It is so good to be with uh, adults. So my wife and I are the kids' pastors. We've been doing this for about eight years. So if I seem like a guest to you, it's because you don't have any kids and you haven't seen me. You've probably seen me as a blur running around because something went wrong or I forgot to do something. That's usually what happens. Carrie's like, did you do this? And I'm like, no, let me get on that. And so I'm running to go do that real quick. Um, Cause we're a little bit different, my wife and I, we're a little bit different in the way we plan things. Um, so we got like Easter coming up in like about a month, five weeks, somewhere like that. And she's already planning, like she's ready. She's working on a theme. We know like she knows the lessons. She's, she's got it together. So I've known about this for about a month. I've had the, my topic since February 14th. I wrote it last night. I'm just gonna be honest, because this is what I do. But it is so good to be here. And I just wanna say, kids have a way of humbling you when you work with kids. Because I'll probably mess up in here and I might say something wrong, and, and someone from the church come by, hey, Aaron, that was probably wrong, like in secret, but not kids. If I say something wrong, they call me out on the spot. Like right away, boom, I'm like, oh, I didn't mess up. I'm sorry. Because these kids are smart. Your kids, I don't know what you're doing, but your kids are smart. All right, and I just want to give you a uh, just, sometimes I feel like Carrie and I are on the front lines. And we feel that weight. Carrie, I, I was talking to Carrie today, and, and uh, my, my fight or flight mode has kind of been in all day, kind of been ready to run the entire time or fight somebody. I don't know what I was going to do. I did see a video yesterday from Russia where these two guys were training and a bear was like pushing on. I don't, it was the craziest video I've ever seen. All right, and like fight or flight. I just, I don't know, I, I don't know if I'm training, but I, I've been fight or flight all day. And um, wasn't that a good worship? Can we just give God a hand clap of praise? Wasn't that a good worship service? So I pray that his peace just washes over you today. But I just want to tell you that, I just want to give you a report from the front lines today with your kids, with your grandkids. I don't know if you have any kids or not, maybe your future kids, with your neighbor's kids, but ask first. Um, kind of, you know, just don't go pray for your neighbor's kids. Make sure you like, okay, so... 
So the other day, I was, uh, we had a staff meeting, and we have to start with a pros and cons every week. And so I'm sitting there, and uh, my pro and cons for this last time was I had to, my con was I had to do a funeral for uh, my 26-year-old cousin who had passed away. Passed away of breast cancer. So if you keep my family in your prayers, that would be that would be great. Um, but the pro came from that same one because I have this uncle in my in my family, and I always looked at him as like the spiritual leader of our family. And so they asked him to do the funeral. He's like, "Have you asked Aaron yet?" And that's that's a big deal because I'm kind of stepping into this role of. Like, I feel like, you know, like, and I, and, I, and I accept that, and I take that, but I was like, in this role, and so that was my pro and con, and then so last week, Carrie comes to me, and she's like, hey, Abram told me what he wanted to be when he grows up, and I'm like, oh, what's that? And he's like, he wants to be a pastor. So Abram is my 10-year-old. I got a 12-year-old, 10-year-old, 8-year-old, and 5-year-old. And so uh, Abram, my 10-year-old, wants to be a pastor, and he is going to be a great pastor, that kid is hilarious, and he makes everybody laugh, except me sometimes. <laughs> For those who have multiple kids, you guys know sometimes one relationship with one kid is a little bit harder than the other one. Is that a true statement? or no? Okay, I see some hands raised. Okay, good. I'm not the only one. Although, man, am I the only one that's bad? Um, but Abram is mine, and I know why because he's just like me. Because <laughs> we were driving to Walmart one time, and he asked a question. He said something, and I was like, as I was driving, which is bad, don't do that. Um, and I was driving, and I'm like, oh, my word, that's me, isn't it? And Carrie's like, yes, it is. And I was like, oh, no. Um, and Abram has this sense of right and wrong. He just feels it. And, like, he feels it for everybody. And it's amazing. And so he's going to be a great pastor one day. I know he will. And so, but he, he, Gary goes, well, why do you want to be a pastor? He's like, well, I look at Pastor TJ. Can we just give Pastor TJ and his family a round of applause as well? We have awesome pastors. And safe travel, because they are coming home from uh, Minnesota, Michigan, the other M1 that's up north. Coming home from Michigan today, so keep them in your prayers. And he's like, I look at Pastor TJ, and he's the pastor of that family, and we need a pastor in our family. (laughs) Kids have a way of humbling you, don't they? All right, so I want you to go to Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 through 6. And my sermon title, so I, so like I said, I've had this topic since February 14th, and I'll tell you why February 14th was that day here in a minute. But watching pastor's sermon last week, Great Expectations, so I came up with the, uh, the sermon title, Family Expectations. What do you want from your family? And so I'm going to be reading out the NIV so it may be a little different, but I think the points will be the same. So verse 18, or chapter 18, verse 1 through 6. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, 
Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. There's a warning from Jesus. That's in red. That is from Jesus. And so on February 14th, we were, uh, my wife and I, we, uh, we don't like to always buy presents for our kids on Christmas. We want to buy experiences for them. We try to find, so we kind of break them up. We do some things, like uh, I think we're taking Maggie to Disney, Princess Disney. She's eight, so she's still in that. I think it's probably like one of the last years, though, so that's kind of sad. Um, the Disney Princess, we're taking uh, um, the boys to a magician comedian. And uh, so we took our, our daughter to a concert, a five-year-old to a concert. And I really wrestled telling the story because Carrie and I have, uh, we wrestled back and forth. And, and so, and we'd kind of heard some things before, like the week before. So we're like, what do we, do we go? You know, we bought the tickets already. Do we go down? Do we, what do we do here? And so one of the reasons I wanted to go is because I want to see how bad it was. And so we go to this concert, and this, it's four, five, and six-year-olds, and seven-year-olds. And so during this concert, the girl singing comes out to a bunch of kids. Here's the thing. Satan wants your kids. Satan is coming for your kids. That is why I say we are on the front lines. And Carrie and I, we kind of prepared. We were prepared. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I tried to get her out of there beforehand, and then I went too early, and we came back. And so it was there. And so all I did, I know Carrie, so Carrie is my prayer warrior of the family. And Carrie's praying for all like 15,000 people in this. And I'm just looking at my little girl, and I'm talking to her the whole time while this is happening, so I don't want her to hear, you know what I mean? And I'm just praying over her as this is happening. Because Satan wants your kids, and he's coming. And he wants to confuse our children, because children sometimes are easy to confuse. So what I wanted to do today, family expectations, I want us to give some practical tips on how to protect our children. Okay, And the family is under attack by God, or excuse me, by Satan. Because God established, see, kids would have called that out on me. Like, that's not what you meant to say. That's not what I meant to say. The family is, a, is under attack because it is an ordained by God. It was ordained by God for the family to be the unit that spreads his word. And it is under attack. And I know if you don't have kids, you can pray for some other kids. If you're a grandparent and don't have kids in your house, you can still pray for your older kids. But I just want you to be, I just want to give some practical tips on how to protect our children. Our, to me, our greatest resource. And they're not the church of tomorrow. I think they're the church of today. I still go back to, was that in August, that service? I don't know if you were here for that. Maybe you're new. 
But we had just come back from camp, and it was our back-to-school service, and we had kids, and we had every generation praying together. Holy smokes. All right, because sometimes it is just that, like, we're all looking around at each other, and those kids will just go up, and they will just get into it, and they will just praise him. All right, so my first point for the day, some practical tips on how to protect our children. Number one, is your house in order? So in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, This is Paul writing here, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, also wives submit to their husbands and everything. And husbands like to stop there, but we're not going to stop there. I'm going to keep reading. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. See, this is all the way back in Genesis. We we hear this. And so God has ordained the family. It is sacred to him. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife's wife must respect her husband. Now, now I'm going to tell you that we tell your kids this verse as well. We don't stop there. We get into chapter 6, all right? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Parents, grandparents, put that in your mind right now, all right? Remember that so when your kids or grandkids are not acting right, you can smack them over the head with that verse. Don't really hit them, but just, you know, the knowledge of that verse. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Have any parents in here ever exasperated their children? All right, I have. If you don't know what exasperation is, (sighs) <sighs> right? Anybody ever got that before? The rolled eyes? Do I have any seven-year-olds going like into teenage years? Anybody have like one of those young ones who, no? No, okay. All right. Teens, don't roll your eyes. Especially right now. All right, so the word hierarchy means sacred order. Okay? So here there is a hierarchy to a family. There is a sacred order order that God has called into the family. And it should go God, father, mother, children. Now, we're supposed to love our wives like God loved the church, like Christ loved the church, and that means we're supposed to die for them. So I was trying to explain to my kids, no, later on, I'll get that in just a second. But here's the thing. Not all families look the same. And I totally understand that. And so does God. If you are a single parent, If you are a grandparent raising 
grandchildren. God will equip you to be both in your household. God will equip you. And there is a hierarchy that goes in your family, a sacred order. All right? And I know in Psalm 68, 5, it says that he is the father to the fatherless, and he takes after, he protects the widows. All right? God will empower you. So we have to keep the hierarchy in order because if not, if that sacred order gets out of order, that's when we get in big trouble. All right? We kind of get out in trouble. It is dangerous when our lives get out of order. You guys ever notice that? I'm getting a little bit older now, so I have joined the 40 Club. I know for some of you that doesn't sound old at all. But when I was 20, 40 seemed like it was real old. All right. When I first started playing slow pitch softball, I'm the guy I used to make fun of. Why are you still out here? You're old. That's me now. And so yesterday, I don't know what I was thinking. All right. But we were getting ready to leave for a basketball game, and I was feeling it. And we got like a nine foot, nine and a half foot goal at our house. And so I thought, I'm going to touch the rim. I did. Barely. But I run up, I jump. I touched the rim, and I come down, and Carrie's like, oh, your lights just came on, didn't they? I was out of order. I almost passed out because I thought I could still jump. Here's the thing. Our, when we get out of order, when our families get out of order, that's when danger happens. That's when the cracks begin to show. That's when Satan makes his way in to your house. All right? Is your house... In order. Now the second one, I think we got to look at ourselves as well. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. It says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So when I ask that question, is your house in order, I'm just not talking about your family. I'm talking about you. Is your house in order? You are the temple. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God. We were bought at a price. So I'm, I'm glad my kids, in, kids aren't in here because I can tell stories on them. So this morning, so when I, like, I'm not saying, like, this happened a week ago. I'm, I mean, like, this morning. So I had all the nervous energy. I folded four loads of laundry. I did the dishes. Um, I'm cleaning the living room. I mean, the kids, go clean your room, right? Bring the dishes up here so I can load the, I load the dishwasher. It's not really doing the dishes, but all right. So I loaded the dishwasher. I put the soap in and started it. Fold the laundry because Abe needed a pair of jeans. So I'm like, we'll fold the laundry. Okay. Now, instead of just like looking through the clothes for the jeans, I fold all the laundry. And so um, I'm like, like, so my boys, they have a lair downstairs. Most of the time, they are just disembodied voices. I will yell at them, hey, boys, you all right? Yeah. So, you know, that's my oldest son, 12. And then Abe, yeah. So um, I can tell the difference. And so... They're just disembodied voices. So today I'm like, hey, bring your dishes up. And, and, and so Jackson comes up with two dishes. 
And I'd already been downstairs once. I'm like, I know there's more than that. Right? Like, I, I could tell you. I know there's, I, I saw them with my own eyes. He's like, well, I'm cleaning my room. So they broke up the rooms. Like, one had to clean the living room, one had to clean the, or the family room, one had to clean the, the bedroom. He's like, I just got all stuff out of the bedroom. And so, um, so talking about exasperating your children, this is what happened this morning. And so I'm sitting there, I come downstairs, and I start to gather all the dishes. There's like eight things down there. Because of breakfast, lunch, and dinner from yesterday, right? Because they didn't bring them upstairs. <laughs> Why'd you bring them upstairs? All right, so, um, so I get my son to sit down, and I, and I teach him uh, the acronym O-P-O. Does anybody know what O-P-O stands for? Other people oriented. See, there's a hierarchy in our lives. So I looked at him and I said, do you know what OPO is? He's like, no. And I said, here for you, this is your hierarchy that you should live by. Number one is who? And he got this one right, which is good. Because I would have maybe had to give slap on the back of the head if he didn't. But number one was God. God comes first. I said, yes. And I said, who comes second? He goes, family. And I said, close. I said, everybody else. And who comes third? You, O-P-O, are you other people oriented? Are you, is your, is your, are, is the hierarchy in place? And then so for the family, so what that means for like the parents or grandparents is God, family, everybody else, you, right? That's the hierarchy we should live by. We have God in the beginning, and then I'm going to do things for my family. And then I looked at my son, because I know me, and I said, do I always live like that? And he goes, no, you don't. And I said, I know, but I'm working on it, right? So we got to be working on this. Is our hierarchy in place? Is the blessing for being in the sacred order that God has for us in place in our lives? So number one, is your house in order? Number two, what is the atmosphere of your house? Do you guys know what the difference is between a thermostat and a thermometer? Does anybody, anybody know? Thermostat sets the temperature. Thermometer reads the temperature. All right? You can tell. I'm going to tell you. I'll, I'll give you two guesses, but you only need one. Who is a thermostat in our home? And he's not up here right now. She, like, if you want to know how our home's doing, you can look at me because I'm the thermostat. But there's a thermometer. Like, she came home today. Why was I folding clothes and doing laundry or doing dishes? Because she, so, I, I, I'm just going to praise my wife just for a little bit. She told me not to, but I'm going to. Because she didn't like it. I call her Wonder Woman or Superman. I changed it up because she's worked eight out of nine nights. 12-hour shifts except for one 10-hour shift. And she's here supporting me. She worked, getting out, everybody, you know. She would, if she couldn't find it, she would have been in there teaching the, your kids this morning. All right. So she, but she walked in the house today. I'm sorry. She walked in the house today and she looked and I saw the face. I could just tell the face right away because the house is a mess. Okay, because speaking of expectations, what do you expect from your family? All right, so 
When it comes to cleanliness, so we got dad's expectations are here, right? Like if I don't see anything, that's, that's clean. <laughs> I'm good, all right? So here's my expectations. Now here's mom's expectations, okay? Now this is when we have people over expectations. You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, and it's like all oh, hands on deck, you better be cleaning. Because if not, you're going to get a, one of those to the butt, you know what I'm talking about. Right? All right, so, so expect, where are you setting your expectations for your family? Is it here, here, or here? And if you are setting it here, why are you setting it here and not here or here? Sorry, that's later on. Okay, sorry. Uh, but a thermometer only tells you temperature. A thermostat sets the temperature. Now, how do we create the atmosphere or the climate that we want in our house. Go to Proverbs chapter 18. So I want to give you practical advice. Proverbs chapter 18 says, The tongue has the power of life, and death, and those who will love it will eat its fruit. How do we create the atmosphere in our homes? How do we create the climate? How do we create that climate that's going to let our kids grow and our family grow? We do it with our words. When God created the heavens and the earth, he used, it, it's, I think it's a, I forget if it's Hebrew or Greek, but I think it's Hebrew because it's Old Testament. So, it would have been Hebrew, and it was the word bara, and it means he created out of nothing. There was nothing, and he spoke, and there was something. Here's the thing. Even if there's nothing, you can create that. Because the Bible says that we have the, the power of life and death is in the tongue. All right? And so we can control that atmosphere. How many of you have ever said something, maybe to your kids or maybe to anybody, all right? How many of you have ever had a thought just come out your mouth and you were trying to grab it the entire time it's coming out? Is that anybody? All right. This week at school, we've been talking about rivers in Africa. I teach geography. All right. I also preach a little bit while I'm at school, but they don't know that. Just a little bit. Like I don't say scripture because I like my job. But I am throwing a little a few jabs in there. All right. Some life lessons that I've learned throughout the day. Throughout my life here. All right? So, did you know that when a river starts, it's called a source. I see why he has bottles of water up here. And then when you get to the end of the river, it's called the mouth. And when a river gets to its mouth, it slows down. So what happens when at the top of the mountain, you have this fast-moving river, and it can stay in one track. But as it gets close to the, to the sea or to the ocean, it has to slow down, and the river can't maintain its bed, so it spreads out. All right? And in Africa, there's a river called the Zambezi River on the eastern side that has a 37-mile-wide delta. So that's how far that river spreads out because it slows down. So I got to thinking, because I was thinking of it backwards. See, we have this perspective. So I was thinking, why is it called the mouth at the, at the end? Because I like to eat. And you always start with the mouth and end somewhere else. I won't go there. All right. I did it with the sophomore kids because they thought it was funny. All right, so, but I won't hear. Use your imagination. All right, so, but I thought, no, it's more like a thought that starts in the brain and comes out 
of our mouth. So before the thought comes out of our mouth, maybe it should slow down as it reaches its mouth so we're not spreading death. I have to apologize to my kids every Friday night, it seems like. Because I've been at work, I've been around at kids, around kids all week. And I'm going to tell you, pray for teachers because we are in the 90-day war. Spring break's almost here. We can all see it. All right? And the kids feel it like it's getting warmer outside and they're getting stir crazy and I'm getting stir crazy. And the teachers, every teacher's getting, getting a little stir crazy. All right? I just lost my train of thought. That happens sometimes. I got to talk about spring break, though. See, I got my, I'm ready for spring break already. Oh, thank you. See, I spoke life in the situation because, man, I was dry mouth. Oh, I memorized that now. Thank you. It was a drink of water helped. Every Friday night, I got to apologize to my kids. Because I've been at work all week, and then Carrie started her night shift weekends. She's normally only works weekends night shift. And so I'm so stressed out. I'm like, I just want, just, just don't. Don't fight. Please. Like, don't want anything from me, because I don't know if I have anything to give. And then I don't have the wherewithal to stop the thought from coming out of my mouth. And it's not nice. And I probably, I'm probably not speaking life to my kids. And then I got to apologize to them. Has anybody ever been there before? Maybe not every Friday. All right. I'm trying to do better. I wanted to, did you mind, what percentage, I'll, I'll tie this together, I promise. Anybody know what percentage of the world's population is Jewish? Does anybody know? 0.19% of the, I know, a lot of you are looking at me like, where is he going with this? I promise I'll come back around. Maybe. Do you know what percentage of the Nobel uh, Prize winners are Jewish? 22%. That is 11,000% or 11,000 times over-representation according to world population. The Jews, Jewish people, seem to have some kind of blessing on their life. Can I, share, can I share the secret with you? Where it comes from? Okay, so they do have a different, little different Sabbath. Their, their Sabbath starts Friday night. Do you know that every Friday night, when the sun goes down, the family gathers around, and they place their hands either around their children's face or on their head? sometimes in a hug, sometimes in a cuddle, and they bless them every Friday night. So in my house, when my kids are getting screamed at on Friday night, in every Jewish home, they're breeding a blessing over them. And if you're, if you're a male child, they start with, may you be like Manasseh and Ephraim. Do you know why they choose Manasseh and Ephraim? Because they were the first brothers to get along in the Bible. <laughs> like, that's good. I'm going to start preaching. I'm going to start praying that over my boys. 
I'm going to start praying. I actually need to pray over Abram and Lucy. Holy smokes. All right. They're like oil and water. They would make a great tag, or like a uh, comedy duo team, though. Oh, they're so funny, like together, if they just knew it. But they don't like each other, so <laughs> they love each other. So every Friday night, they speak this blessing over them. Do you know what they end with? Turn to Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 26. This may sound familiar to you once you start hearing it. Now, if you're a, if you're a female Jewish child, they will read, they will say, um, may you be like Rebecca or Leah or Sarah or Rachel. I believe those were the four. The Ephraim and Manasseh one just stuck out to me because I kind of wish that had been prayed over my brother and I when we were kids. Uh, we get along now, but back in the day, uh, not so much. And um, because they faced hard times in their life, but still their faith stood strong. This is, so not only have you heard this blessing before, this is the only blessing in the Bible that was put forth by God. It's called the priestly blessing. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious, gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Every Friday night, these kids hear the blessing. Every Sunday, pastor reads it over you guys. That is directly from God's mouth. Did you know you can read this to your own children? You can read it over your own family. You can pray it over your own family. You know why? Because we are a royal priesthood. We are set apart. We are a chosen generation. You are the priest and priestess of your household. And you have the power to speak life or death into your family. And I hope, I hope you choose the wiser. I know it's hard sometimes. I was, I was so impressed by the Jewish blessings, I started looking some up. Do you know they have a Jewish blessing for every time they change a diaper? I was like, have you ever had a diaper change that you probably should have had a blessing over that? Anybody else? No? Not the one that like, comes all the way up the neck? No? Uh, I'm just saying. This is keep, right? They're just keeping it real. Diapers are gross. I lost my sense of smell for about a year, not because of COVID, because I changed so many diapers. That and being in a boy's locker room for the last... 15 years, doesn't help either. So, um, just if you do have a teenage boy, just tell him to shower. That's it. I, that's all I ask. And change clothes once a week. That is it. 
If we could do that out there, if you once a week, well, actually shower every day, but if you could change clothes. Whew, sorry, that was not in my sermon. I apologize. That was, that was not written down. So I got to thinking, I was, that's an Abrahamic religion. There's another Abrahamic religion. It's Islam. And I read this book about five years ago, and I recommend it to all of you. It's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. It's about this Muslim convert, convert. And he starts out the first book, and he says, I'm writing this, and I'm letting you know that I love Islam. I love the Quran. And it's because the moment he was born, the father picked him up. It could be the mother or the father. But the father picked him up. And in his right ear, he had one blessing. And his left ear had another blessing. Now, eventually, as he got a little bit older, he realized that he was wrong. And he became a Christian. Now, unfortunately, he, he, he did die of cancer. But if you ever get to, if you ever read that book, it opened my eyes in a brand new way. Why are we so afraid to read blessings to our children? Why are we, and this goes back to me. I've always kind of had a bad, like I always tell like kids when I'm like, hey, if you like expect to see, so if you get an A, you're like, yeah, I got an A, right? Or I did real bad. I'm going to do real bad. So you do good. That's not the way to do it, right? That's a horrible way to look at life. And so I started kind of looking at my own life. Why am I afraid to read blessings over my kids and over my family? Why am I setting my cleanliness expectations here and not here? Why am I not setting expectations for my students or my kids here and not putting them here? Because guess what? Kids are amazing. And you know what they'll do? You know what they'll do? They'll meet the expectation that you set for them. If you speak blessings into their life, they will rise to the occasion. And they will meet those blessings. And they will meet those expectations. So I, I encourage you to look up just some blessings. If, even if you just want to read Numbers chapter 6. I mean, we can't get much better than God's blessing, right? Like the one blessing straight from God. Just read that over your children every day. Before they go out. Because I'm going to tell you right, right now, they're going to face some things at school. Now we homeschool our kids. That was, we compromise, my wife and I compromise a lot. Usually I just do what she says. That's a compromise. So, and she's like, I want to homeschool. I, I publicly, I teach at a public school. And I'm like, oh, I, but I've learned to trust my wife. Because she is absolutely amazing. And I know God has blessed me with her and has brought me into, has brought her into my life. I would not be doing the things that I'm doing if it weren't for her. I'd be a fat slob. That is absolutely correct. I'd be a fat slob on a couch somewhere. Eating Cheetos. Probably salt and vinegar chips. No, not salt and vinegar chips. I wouldn't have tried them because of the time I married her. And they're my favorite now. 
Sorry. <laughs> but even if you homeschool your kids, they're going to see some things. And they're going to hear some things. You can't insulate them from everything. So I ask that you just pray a blessing. And if you don't have kids at home, pray over your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, your cousins. Just pray over some kids. Have some kids in your mind and just pray this prayer of blessing over them again. I'm going to read it one more time. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And then give him a, a pat on the back and say, good luck. And you continue to pray throughout the day too. But you create the climate with your words. Number three, though, is what are you not saying? I'm going to tell you, you can speak all the blessings that you want to speak over your kids. But if you go to James chapter 1. Usually I have people warm their fingers up before because I, I, I kind of flip through a lot. But I didn't do that today. But James chapter 1, verse 22 through 27. Do you know what percentage of, of communication is nonverbal? Does anybody know? It is somewhere between 70 and 93% of your body, of your communication is through body language. So that's why they say, preach the gospel, use words when necessary. Because you're already living it out. So James chapter 1, if you're not doing this in your home, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently and to the perfect law, and gives freedom, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious, and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I'd like to ask the, the worship team to come back up, please. What are your actions saying to those around you? And I'm going to tell you right now, if you went through growth tracks, this was my lesson. When I, this is one of the ones I did. We have three areas of our life. We got public. You are a different person in public than you are in private. Right? How many of you, I, I was always amazed at my parents. I never knew they could do this. But they would be yelling at me and my brother and just giving it the, you know, the what for. And that phone would ring and it would be, hello, right every time. And I didn't understand it until I became a parent. And I'm yelling at my kids and that phone rings. Hey, what's up? Right? I don't say hello anymore, but you know. Depends who's calling, I guess. But what are you not saying at home? Why did my son say we need a pastor in the family? 
What role have I not fulfilled? Because I'm not doing the things that I'm supposed to do. I might speak a good word. I might be doing okay in public, but what am I not doing in private that my kids aren't seeing? Can I share some good news with you, though? No matter how far you've gone, no matter how much you've messed up, you can turn around. You can fix it, right? Joel chapter, this is my last verse. I'm going to close right here. So number one, I want to go back over. Is your house in order? What's the atmosphere or the climate of your house? And what are you not saying? Joel chapter 12 verse, excuse me, Joel chapter 2 Verse 12 says this, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. I'm going to be honest with you, I am not good at closing. Normally when I get up here, my closings aren't written down. I know where I want to get to, and sometimes I just struggle with that. But open up the Bible app came up this morning, and that was the verse of the day. And I clicked on it. And I was listening to it. And this guy was talking about it. And he said, how many of you, how many of you GPS, use GPS to go somewhere? Does anybody use GPS? Now, if you make a wrong turn, does GPS yell at you and tell you you're an idiot and turn around and scream at you? <laughs> it might help some of us. I don't know. Now, the GPS gently guides you back to where you need to go. Look, here's the deal. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care how much you've messed up with your own kids. Maybe you have. All it takes for you is to return to, to him with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. He's not yelling at you. He is guide, gently guiding you back home. If you need to come back home, the altar is open. If you have some kids that you want to pray for, the altar is open during this song. And at the end, I, I, I debated back and forth, but I need my prayer warrior up here. And I just want her to because I heard her prayer that night. And I just want her to, to, to speak a prayer of blessing over you and your families. So if you guys could sting him.
Yes, some prayer warriors come up and pray with some of these, please.
Jesus, we turn our eyes towards you. And Jesus, we turn our families towards you. Father, for those families that have young children at home, Father, for the homes with teenagers, Father, with the homes with those that are a brink of adulthood and are entering out on the world for the first time on their own, Jesus, for those homes that have children already out and are growing and starting families of their own, we turn them to you, Jesus. Father, and we give them to you fully, entrusting you, Father, that you go before them and that you set a path before them. Father, and it is a path of good, not of evil, not of harm, but Father, it is a good and it is a righteous path. And Lord, no matter what the world tries to pull at them, no matter what the world tries to distract them with, God, that you are above it all, holding it all together. Father, and when those families feel like their seams are coming unraveled, when they seem like they can't hold it all together, Lord, would you grip tighter to them and let them know that you are the lifter of their head. You are the foundation of the family. Father, you set the foundation before the world began. And Father, may we build our foundation upon you. Father, we pray blessings over our children, young, old, for the mother who's anticipating a child, who wants a child. Father, may you speak a blessing over them in the womb. Jesus, we turn them over to you. Father, they are the carriers of your word. They are the carriers of your light, and they will not stop with this generation. It will continue to grow and to grow. Father, let us set our expectations higher than before. Let us walk out of here today with a higher expectation on our families and what they will do for you and in your name. Jesus, help us rise to that occasion every day. And when we fall and when we stumble and when we mess up, Lord, you are there with grace ever flowing and you will forgive. Let us turn to you. Jesus, we pray for protection over our babies. We pray for protection. Jesus, may you cover them. And for those sons and daughters that are stepped aside and they've gone off on their own ways, Lord, we pray like the wayward son that you would bring them back home to your foundation, Jesus. Be with those mothers and those fathers that are praying for that child to return home strengthen their resolve, strengthen their expectations, Lord. And we eagerly desire, Lord, to see them come home. Jesus, would you bless us now as we turn our face upon you. May you shine so much brighter than before. Jesus, you are to be high and to be lifted up and let it begin in my family. And in my children, let the world see you through my children. God, you are good. You are good.
the, the commitment that they have to our church and to our children, you know, we've had the opportunity to have you guys, Pastor Reagan, and into her teenage years, and now Addie into her years and looking for Jack. And just so thankful that God has blessed us, this church, with you guys. Thank you so much. If you're a guest with us today, we're so honored that you came out today. We hope you've enjoyed the service this morning. We hope that you feel like you felt you were with friends and family today. And in front of you is a Connect card. If we get you to fill that out and turn it into our Welcome Center, uh, we just got a gift just for you. We just want to get to know you just a little bit better and learn how we can pray with you and disciple with you. As you're leaving the day, we've got the giving boxes on the walls outside the sanctuary and outside the balcony for your checks and cash. And if you're giving online or if you're listening online, uh, we've got ways that you can give also. Uh, for the month of March, we will be collecting items to donate for Life Food Pantry in Bedford. Items can be dropped off at the church foyer from now until March 27th. Stop by the information desk to see or pick up a list of the current items needed. Also, this Tuesday night, we've got our women's fellowship here at the church at 7 p.m. Be sure to bring a snack to share for your friends. And then next Saturday, men, we've got our men's breakfast at, we'll be meeting here at the church at 8 a.m.